Hello, everyone. You're listening to Radio Maria, and this is Catechesis live with Derek Williams. Good afternoon, Derek. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me on. Uh, this is Derek's slot Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> and he has given us over the past few weeks the most fantastic series on the biblical covenant. And today, uh, Derek, who is a husband, a father, and importantly for us, a lay preacher, is moving on to the call to holiness. Um, and so, especially during this time of Advent, it's uh, a very important call. So, we're looking forward to hearing more. Thank you for joining us once again, Derek, and over to you. Super. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Right, so listeners, we're going to be looking beginning on Genesis chapter 2. And if you remember a few weeks ago, well, probably a month or two ago, actually, um, we, we went through the creation and looked at it in the light of the covenant. And here on Genesis chapter 2, uh, it says, The heavens and the earth are finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work, which he had done in creation. So the first thing in the Bible that is declared holy by God himself is a period of time. It's the seventh day. And there's a wonderfully unique thing about the seventh day rest in that it doesn't use the phrase, evening came, morning followed. So the previous six days of creation all conclude, evening came, morning followed, day one. Evening came, morning followed, day two. That is not the language with the seventh day. And when I was studying some of the writings of the rabbis many years ago on the book of Genesis, um, they would explain that because there is no evening on the Sabbath day, it is a sign of eternity when there is no evening at the eternal day. That is way, way back in the book of Genesis. So the, the first thing that God declares holy is the seventh day. Now, the word for holy, Kadosh, in some circumstances, Kodesh. It's worth remembering there are no vowels in the Hebrew language. Um, so uh, it would just be the consonants. Uh, so kadosh, which means to be set aside for a purpose, uh, to be exclusive to another. So if you read that in the light of the covenant teachings that I've done, covenant teachings about the kind of the marital relationship, the exclusivity of the relationship. So when Abraham and God entered into covenant, when God called Abraham into covenant, God said to Abraham, um, uh, I will be your God. So there was an exclusivity about the relationship. Abraham could only worship one God, and God gave himself to Abraham. Now we have a similar thing in our lives. We have a choice. Do we just have one God, or do we have multitudes of them? You might think you've only got one, but anything which is an attachment, which is raised above God, um, tends to be an idol. Now, I'm not going to go down that particular route at the moment. I'm going to focus on the call to holiness. But there are several things associated with holiness in, in respect of this reading, which I want you to think about carefully. 
So first of all, there's the seventh day rest. So there is one day a week when God calls us to rest. For us as Catholics, it's the Lord's Day. Um, and I say for us as Christians, because I'm sure that there might be one or two Christians out there listening in. So it's the Lord's Day, Sunday. That is the day of rest. So there is holiness, there is rest, um, and there is blessing. God blessed it. And there is God resting, God contemplating the beauty of his creation. Um, now, when we say God rested, um, what are we talking about here? Well, in the writings of the mystics of the church, the those beautiful contemplatives in their monasteries who have written, and, and convents who have written diaries on the interior life, what they sometimes write is how um, God rests within their soul and God calls them into that rest. Now this isn't a teaching on the Sabbath rest, I'll do that another week, um, but it's the part of the, part of the call to holiness is entering into God's rest, is being at rest, the soul being at rest. This can only come through contemplation, which is part of the call to holiness. The only way to attain to the heights of holiness that God is calling us to is through the grace of contemplation, silence, and a little bit of solitude. Now, this is what the Catechism says about the Sabbath day, the seventh day rest. On the seventh day, God rested and contemplated the goodness of his creation. By blessing this day and making it holy, he established what would become the Sabbath rest under the Mosaic law. All of creation is oriented towards the Sabbath. So the, as God has created in Genesis 1, as God has created the heavens, the earth, and everything in it, if you like the crowning glory of that creation, the the what is oriented towards it is the Sabbath day. It's it's there at the very pinnacle of everything. This can be very difficult language for us at the moment because we don't really keep a Sabbath day. Uh, we don't even keep the Lord's day many times. I mean, I'm saying that as a sweeping generalisation, um, but I've noticed that many, that we live in a culture now which is where, where the, the rules on the Lord's Day have completely changed and um, people work, they do a normal day's work on the Lord's Day. So we need to, in my opinion, recapture this day. Now I've got to be careful here because I'm drifting into a teaching on the Lord's Day and that's not what I want to do. So I'm going to go to the book of Leviticus chapter 19. Now, the book of Leviticus is, is one of my favourite books of the Bible, believe it or not, uh, because every single paragraph begins, or every single chapter, begins pretty much with the same phrase. The Lord said to Moses. Okay, that's how they all begin. And I'm looking at Leviticus 19, which is considered to be the heart of the Torah. The Jews say this is the heart of the Torah. Um, and this is what it says. Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So this is a, a message to the congregation of the sons of Israel. It's also a message to us, God calling us to holiness. 
Now, he doesn't just, God puts a little bit of meat on the bones. Ready for this one? Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So uh, one, an aspect of living the life of holiness that God is calling us to live is to revere our parents and to keep the Sabbaths. Now, note, God says, keep my Sabbaths. It's not a case of we have to create the Sabbath or make the Sabbath. Um, it's a case of just keeping them, which in the Orthodox Jewish world, they do. They're, they're very strict on the Sabbath day. Um, and some of us are sort of strict on the, the Lord's day. I wouldn't say strict. For me, to the Lord's day is an opportunity to um, be with my family, to rest, to let the body re renew itself one day a week um, when I can turn off my mobile and I can have time with my wife and my children and I can be a Catholic husband and father. We can go to Mass, we can have fellowship with our other Catholic brothers and sisters in the area. Um, and it's just an opportunity just to live differently for one day a week, to really live in, if you like, God's presence that one day a week. Now you might say, well, what about the other six days? Aren't you living in God's presence? Well, of course you are, but the Lord's Day is one where you're actually slowing everything down and you're renewing, you're being renewed by God's grace. Um, and this is all to do with the call to holiness. Uh, holiness, we, it, it's, it's where we're sort of being, responding to God's call. God is calling the church in this era to a new degree of holiness. Um, we're in what's known as the era of sanctification, in the writings of some of the church mystics. Um, and I'm going to throw something out there. I don't quite know if you're going to get this, but let's, let's give it a shot. And we're going to take it from the Catechism. This is um, from Article 2012, which is headed up Christian Holiness. Um, and we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among Britain when he breathed. Okay, now 2013. All Christians in any state or walk of life are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfection of charity. All are called to holiness. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, listeners, God is calling us to an intimate union with him. That's further down in Article 2014. Intimate union. What's known as mystical union. It is the equivalent, if you like, of um, in the soul, the union between us and Christ is a sign and symbol. Or, no, the union of husband and wife is a sign and symbol of the union of the, of the soul with God. Um, and this is where I was, where I was referring earlier to the exclusivity of the relationship, the covenant relationship we have with God. So we have a covenant relationship with God where God wants us to be for him alone. When we get married, 
we have a relationship with our spouse, an exclusive relationship where we are for them alone. We cannot go off on dates with other men or women. This is our, this is our exclusive relationship. So that relationship with our spouse involves this intimate union, the one flesh union of husband and wife, where with God there is a spiritual union in the soul, where an intimate union of the soul with God, which is what the Catechism talks about and what the writings of the mystics talk about. So, we are in an era now where prior to this era, the greatest, the highest height of holiness that could be attained upon earth was known as mystical marriage. Okay, so let me give you a little step, a little step. This is the pathway to holiness. Okay, this is the little journey to holiness. Um, obviously, there is the, the sacraments, baptism and Holy Communion, confirmation, etc. Um, but there is also the personal journey within that. So there is a journey of silence, contemplative journey inwards, which is what some of the saints write about, trees of Havila and so on. We journey inwards through silence. So first of all, there is the physical, exterior silence. Um, then we, as we journey away from chattering, conversation, we go inwards, so our mouth is quiet. And our ears are quiet. We're not playing any music or anything like that. Then there is interior silence, where our thoughts can't slow down, and our imagination and everything else, everything starts to calm down. By grace, this isn't something we can achieve. This is by grace. This eventually leads to what's known as um, the mystical life of prayer, where the Holy Spirit totally takes over our prayer time. So when we go to pray, rather than us trying to formulate a prayer, the Holy Spirit will guide us into a prayer. That leads to something that's called transforming union. Teresa of Avila talks about it as being like a, a the, the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly. And the soul no longer recognizes itself. It is completely set ablaze by the fire of the Holy Spirit. That will lead to something called spiritual betrothal. Now, this is me being ever so simple with this journey, by the way, because uh, people have written entire books on this, so I'm giving you basically a paragraph on it in comparison with the whole book. But this, the reason why I want to do it, I want to show you what's, what the Lord is doing in this age that we're in. So spiritual betrothal, mystical marriage, where the soul is united in a special way to God, and the soul is completely at peace. Now, mystical marriage was the highest height of holiness that could be attained until a short while back. Because in the writings of many saints of the 20th century, um, they are saying that God revealed to them that their soul was in the same state as the blessed in heaven. Okay? In other words, they had what's known as the grace of beatitude on earth. Now, that's a grace in their soul. It doesn't mean that they had the beatific vision on earth, because they didn't. It means that their soul was in the same state as the blessed in heaven. Now, who, who had this grace? Well, the writings that I know of, there, there are more, but the writings that I know that I'm familiar with, so St. Faustina, in her diary, I, I was going to bring the quote up with me, but I left it downstairs on my shelf. So St. Faustina, in her diary, makes it clear, the Lord has revealed to me that my soul is in the same state as the blessed in heaven. So she had beatitude on earth. 
then there is a mystic who's in a process of canonization called Dina Belanger, a Canadian mystic who wrote similar. Um, and then there is one of my favorites, Luisa Picaretta. Um, and then there is Padre Pio. <clears throat> um, Padre Pio, who when he would go to bed at night, he would close his eyes and he said, when I close my eyes to sleep, the beatific vision opens up in front of me. And, and there are more. Now, this is unique to this era. It wasn't, permit, it wasn't available prior to this era that we're in now. So in the last hundred years or so, this grace has been given to more and more. And so Christ wants to give it. Now, that's something very important. This is not something that we attain to. This is something that we dispose ourselves for, and Christ gives the grace. We really need to get that. This is gift. This is gift. Holiness is gift. Our task, if you like, is to, be respond, is to respond to the call by removing, by, by getting sin out of our lives and getting anything out of our lives which hinders the operation of grace in the soul so that we can be fully open to all the gifts that God wants to give us. And often when we think of the gifts that God wants to give us, we sometimes think of the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of miracles and charismatic gifts, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge. We don't always think about the gifts of holiness, the gifts of the interior life, the gift of infused contemplation, the gift of infused recollection, the gift of the prayer of quiet, the gift of spiritual betrothal. These gifts are absolutely vital because they're the ones that are going to completely transform us so that we can renew the church and transform the face of the earth. Now, what I want to do now, um, in the last couple of minutes of this first segment, is I'm going to the New Testament, and I'm going to, if you like, um, um, give you a vision for the call that God has put upon your life, if it, in one sense, in one sense. So this is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, because you need to, you need to get the fact that this is the call that is upon every, the life of every Christian. Okay? So Vatican II said, all Christians in any state or walk of life are called to, uh, let me just get it right, the fullness of the Christian life and the perfection of love, all are called to holiness. Paul's letter to the Romans begins in verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. Okay. That's Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, bear with me. I'm now going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, verse 2. To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. I can then go to 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians reads, To the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints. I'd ask you to bear in mind, listeners, that the church in Corinth had a few problems <laughs> of sexual immorality, but Paul still called them saints. So, you know, there's, quite, there's something there. Um, now, the church in Galatia, which is the next letter, um, Paul doesn't call them saints um, because they've, they've gone backwards, okay? Um, they've gone back into the law, back into legalism. 
Um, so he does tell them to respond again to the Spirit. But Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's, that's, that's Ephesians. Hope you're getting this. Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. And finally, uh, we'll do Colossians, chapter 1, verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ at Colossae. If you like, another translation reads, to the holy ones. So what I'm trying to say to you, listeners, is that there is a call upon our lives, especially in this era, where God is giving us great graces of holiness, and we need to respond to those graces. So I'm going to hand you back to the studio, and then we're going to take a look at how we can respond to what God wants to do. Hello, okay, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Derek. Um, so let's have a bit of a music break. And Derek has chosen this song, Getting in the Mood for Christmas, Angels We Have Heard on High.
are listening to Radio Maria and we're joined by Derek Williams, who is taking us deeper in the call to holiness. Derek. Elizabeth, thank you very much. Okay, listeners, here we go again then. So and don't forget, please call in. You know, this is um this is a really, really important topic for our lives as Christians. And um the Lord is giving us great graces in this era in the church and we need to be responding to them. And one of the best ways to respond to those graces is, well, there's a couple of things, <laughs> and they're a challenge, okay? Um, one, one way, the, the one way to respond is rest. The Lord calling us to rest. The Sabbath, the Sabbath rest, if you like. But it's not just rest in terms of a day a week. It's also a rest in terms of the way we live our lives. We need to slow things down a little bit. We need to live lives a little bit simpler, and we need to live lives that are open to God's grace at every single moment. Because right now, at this very moment in time, and what I'd ask you to do right now, is just focus on this moment that we are in. Okay? Focus on this moment that we're in right now. God's power, is fully present to you right now in your soul. God is fully present to us as, especially, you know, for souls in a state of grace, God is constantly pouring in oceans of graces into the soul. So we need to be kind of tuned in to the present moment. We live in a world which is constantly tuning us out to that moment and constantly making us think either about the past or the future, but rarely the present. But the church, once again, has a rich history of teaching of living in the moment. Books like the sacraments of the present moment and so on. So I'm calling you now just to focus on the moment. Don't think about what's going to happen today, later on, or what's happened earlier today, or what's happened in the past, or what might happen in the future. Focus upon this moment where we are at now, because this is the moment where God is most powerfully at work in your life, and this is the moment where God is sanctifying you to the greatest degree, because God lives in a perpetual now. God lives in a perpetual present moment. God is outside time, and, um, and he works his wonders in this moment. Now, I want to now go back to, where do I go? Do I go to the Catechism or Thessalonians? I've got a little confession to make to you readers. At the moment, I've got a little bit of a virus. <laughs> um, yesterday, I was in bed all day, um, completely out of it. And today, I'm in a kind of recovery mode. I've actually been able to get up out of bed and so on. But I'm, my brain just isn't functioning very well. So I'm just hoping that I can... And I, and I prepared the session quite nicely, but I'm a bit brain dead. So here we go. This is, um, this is 1 Thessalonians. Um, this is chapter 1, okay? And I'm just going to read a little bit out for you. Um, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you all, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith 
and labour of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brethren, beloved by God, that he has chosen you, for our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Now, just pausing on that one. First of all, we know, brethren, that he has chosen you. Okay, so everyone who's listening to this, God has chosen you. Okay, really take that to heart. God has chosen you. In my work as an evangelist, I often get to sit with people. So if I'm doing an event somewhere, often people say to me afterwards, oh, can you pray with me or something like that? And, you know, you end up sitting there and listening to their story. Those stories show that many souls suffer from rejection, from people who have been rejected by family, friends, parents, and so on. Um, and there's a wound of rejection. With God, it's the opposite. God has chosen us in a very particular way. Then Paul says, our gospel came to you not only in word. Now that, that's very, very important. The gospel we proclaim, this gospel that I'm holding in my hands, is not just about a word like a novel, Pride and Prejudice, or like a science book, or something like that. This word contains power. The gospel came not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. What's that got to do with the call to holiness? Well, when we hear God's word being proclaimed in a particular way, it brings grace. And that grace enables us to respond to God's call in our hearts. I'm trying to put this in a logical way, in a way that makes sense. Okay, so let's try, let's try this. If you never knew that you were called to be holy and you were called to be saints, you wouldn't even strive for, to live that kind of a life. You wouldn't plumb the depths of prayer you wouldn't read the sacred scriptures, etc. Because the idea of growing in holiness just wouldn't be there. So, when Paul preaches the gospel to the Thessalonians, he tells them, this gospel came to you in word, in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with conviction, that the Thessalonians could be completely and radically transformed by the word that Paul was proclaiming. And I'm saying the same to you listeners, that it's the word of God, as it is proclaimed, which brings about the transformation that transforms us from being just ordinary people into great saints. And that is what the call of this age is. The call of this age is to become great saints. And Paul says, Paul writes this, you received the word. Okay, you received the word. He says you received the word in much affliction with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I want to focus on that. You received the word. It's really important that when we hear the word of God proclaimed, that we receive it 
into the good soil in our hearts. This is why we have to start living more of a present moment experience. Letting God, letting the Word of God penetrate our hearts. In um, Novo Millennio Iniante, a document by John Paul II, he basically says something on the lines of, we must let the Word of God pass through our hearts in all of its power. Let me repeat that. We must let the Word of God pass through our hearts in all of its power. Now, I really do hope one or two of you will call in to discuss this because this is a really important topic in this era in which we live. So I'm going to hand back to the studio for Elizabeth to play another song for us. Elizabeth, over to you. Thank you, Derek. Yes, the phone lines are now open, so please don't hesitate to call in and um, give Derek some feedback today. The number is 01. 01- Two two three three seven five five six four oh one two two three three seven five five six four and this is Little Town of Bethlehem from Cliff Richard. Oh, oh, oh. 
You're listening to Radio Maria and we're here with Derek Williams who's talking about holiness. And just a reminder that the phone lines are open. You can call in at any time. The number is 01223 Derek has made um, holiness his his speciality in life, so I'm sure he'd be very able to help you on any question you might have. Derek. Thank you, Elizabeth. So now, readers, listen, readers, uh, listeners, we're going to go at Ephesians chapter 3 now. Um, and this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, so Paul's prayer for you, listener. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in your inner self, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or think. So, listeners, Christ wants to dwell in your hearts, but he can only dwell in us when we are strengthened with might through his spirit. Okay. So when we are, let's just take an example. Let's just say that you were, and let's say hypothetically, we're going to be baptized at Easter. Okay, so hypothetically, we haven't been baptized yet. We're going to be baptized at Easter. Our soul is painfully weak because of sin, original sin, and actual sin. In fact, our soul is so weak, Paul says it is dead. And he says this in his letter to the Romans, when you were dead in sin, God brought you alive. So that's how weak our soul is. The problem is we do not see our soul as being weak because we don't, okay, I'm sweeping generalization. We're not, we don't always discern the soul. We discern the body the strength, the appetites, etc., of the senses. But the soul, we do not discern. We, there can be a very poor self-knowledge. Then we go forward for baptism. When we get baptized, our soul comes awake, alive. Not awake, alive. The soul is resurrected from the dead, if you like. And it is strengthened, but also it is enlarged. Okay? And it can be enlarged to a great deal. Um, but focus on strengthened for now. The soul has to be strengthened so that Christ, the second person of the Trinity, can dwell in our heart. And it dwells through faith. Through faith. Because we do not see Christ in our hearts. Okay? So we have to believe that, okay, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. If I do that now, in fact, if I, everyone I would encourage you, make a spiritual communion. Jesus, I invite you into my heart this moment. Now, when you've done that, um, 
I can't imagine that many of us had a blinding light or felt incredible power. Um, because the spiritual communion gently is a very gentle communion. Sometimes it can bring a little piece of spill of peace and stillness. But the Son of God has just been invited into our hearts. The second person of the Trinity. So it's faith. We don't see or experience much. It is faith. Now, let's move, keep moving on so that we are rooted and grounded in love. If Once again, going back to our hypothetical story, um, we are going to be baptized at Easter, so at the moment we're in sin. So at the moment we are rooted and grounded in sin, okay? whether we like it or not. If you're not baptized, you're rooted and grounded in original sin. There's nothing, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, when we're baptized, we're rooted and grounded in God. We are re-rooted. Okay? And then we can, verse 19, we can know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, so we can be filled with the fullness of God. Now that's very important for us to grasp. God's plan for us is that we are to be filled with his fullness. And once again, I want to reiterate this. How, how can we be filled with his fullness? How can that happen? There's only one way to make this journey, folks. One way given to us in the, in the teaching of the church, in the writings of the saints and so on. Silence. This is from a book called Wherever He Goes by a priest, Marie-Dominique Philippe. It's a retreat on the Gospel of John, and he's talking about the Eucharist. And it says the Eucharist, a communicated secret. When we really love, silence becomes the carrier of love. For silence is the result of a communicated secret. What engenders silence in us? A secret born in the depth of our heart. When words become a secret of love, we enter into silence. And the great secret of our Christian life is Jesus, who gives himself as food. This is the great secret. All God's words are secrets for us. But the secret par excellence is Jesus, who gives us his body, that is, his heart, as food. And who desires that we receive it as the great secret of our life. It is for this reason that he gives himself in silence. He wants to engender silence in us, the silence of adoration, the silence of contemplation. So, listeners, we are in an era of contemplation. In his docu- uh, John Paul II wrote another document, I think it was called Ecclesia de Eucharistia. I think that was the one. It was written in 2002, and in paragraph 4, He wrote, I want to remind the whole church of the program I have set before it, to contemplate the face of Christ and to contemplate it in Mary. So John Paul II, at the start of the new millennium, um, gave us a program of contemplation. He wrote a document before that called Novo Millennium Iniante, which I referred to a few minutes ago. Um, in Novo Millennio Iniente, he wrote a phrase, it's 
called either contemplate the face of Christ or contemplating the face of Christ or contemplation of the face of Christ. So the phrase was written in different ways, but it was written over 20 times in one document. And then he writes another document after that, and he says again, I want to remind the whole church of the program I have set before it, to contemplate the face of Christ. Now, he also explains how when we pray the rosary, the rosary is essentially a contemplative prayer. We are contemplating the mysteries of Christ. So the rosary counts in this regard, but there must be silence. At some point in our, in our spiritual lives, there must be silence because it's the silence which makes us receptive to the great graces that God wishes to bestow upon us. Great graces of holiness. Now, during the break time, um, Elizabeth mentioned to me about um, how there is so much stuff, so much trouble going on out there, so much sin in the world, and how can we grow in holiness when we're completely surrounded by sin? But once again, St. Paul writes, I think it's Romans 6, where sin increases, grace increases. So in fact, one of the clear signs that we are living in an age where God wants to give us specific, powerful, incredible graces of holiness is the fact that sin is going like a wildfire. There is so much sin out there and it is being promoted in the mass media and it is being seen as the norm. And the call to what we have, what we live as holiness, is often mocked, even though our society says it is tolerant. It isn't. We, live, we actually live in a very intolerant world. The tolerant word that's used is, is, is a deceit, okay? Which is, once again, how we know that we're in a time of grace, because the deception is out there. So, once again, um, just reiterating, there is this call that God has placed upon our lives, God wakens us up with the Word of God, which is what I've been doing for the last couple of months. I've been teaching you about the covenant relationship with God, an exclusive relationship with God. And then God can, can communicate to our soul great graces of holiness. And I'm going to hand back to the studio for Elizabeth to play our final song. And after that, I'm going to pray for these graces to come our way because we need to be the people of God that God wants us to be. Over to you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Derek. Just a reminder that the phone lines are open. And if you have a question on what Derek's been talking about this afternoon, please do call 
You're listening to Derek Williams and the call to holiness. And now, Derek, I believe you're going to you're going to pray for us. I am. I am. I think it's time. It's good to finish the show with a little bit of prayer. Um, and then just to say say to the listeners that you know I tend to be I tend to pack my teachings with uh, a lot of input, um, but it's usually out of respect for the listener because uh, we need lots and lots of good food. Um, and my, what I like to do is I like to give, I like to pack the, 
the teachings with all that nourishing food, fine wine and steak and stuff for you to digest. And really, it's not for you to understand all at once, because whether I spoke a lot of usual stuff or didn't, you wouldn't take in much of it. You're taking about 70%, you're taking about 20 or 30% tops. So you need to re-listen and re-listen and re-listen to get the message, as I have done over the years. Um, the other thing I say to your listeners is just to be careful about complaining, because um, this is one of the things that everyone has an issue with. We even have complaint departments in companies. But God warns us or cautions us against complaints because he says that it's, it's what makes the heart grow cold to graces. Um, so, and and he, he, he cautions against it. Paul says, there must be no complaining or grumbling among you, but thankfulness. And this is part of the call to holiness. It's one of the simplest things about the call to holiness, giving thanks for everything. So I'm now going to pray for you all out there in this listener world. And we're going to ask the I'm going to ask the Lord to pour out His Spirit upon you, particularly praying for the graces to enable you to grow in interior and exterior and interior silence. I pray for the Lord to give you the graces of contemplation, so that when you go to prayer the next time when you're sitting down or kneeling down in church or in your bedroom, wherever, that instead of coming before the Lord with lots of petitions and requests and everything, because he knows what you need before you ask him, that the Lord would just quieten your heart, quieten your mind, and he will present himself to your soul in all of his power and might. And he will bring peace, rest, and silence to your soul. I pray also for all of those of you who suffered from rejection, something I touched on in the session. Lots of people I know of suffer from this deep and painful wound. And I just want to speak over your lives. God has chosen you. God is calling you. I speak it again. God has chosen you. And God is calling you. And he's calling you into the infinite riches of holiness. The infinite riches where he will heal you, transform you, renew you. And having renewed you, he will use you to renew the church and transform the face of the earth. Now as I'm praying this, I have this little picture in my mind of a staircase, a golden staircase and the Lord Jesus is setting before you the golden staircase of holiness on which he wants you to ascend and he will give you all the graces you need to climb this staircase so that you can become radically transformed by his infinite 
grace. And we thank our Blessed Mother for obtaining for us all the graces we need to respond to this incredible call. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. Over to you. Amen. Thank you so much, Derek. Um, we very much look forward to next week when you'll be back with us. Thank you for, for the Same beautiful here. prayer. Thanks for having me on. Have you got God a topic for next week? Um, not yet. I've got several topics I could speak on, so I'm just pondering which one to go on. But I might actually look at the Sabbath rest. Fantastic. I think that's what we'll all need. Thank you so much, okay. Derek. That's it then. God bless you. Bye-bye now. Thank you.